Welcome to an off-season edition of Spits and Suds. Really, there is no off-season edition when it comes to Spits and Suds because we're excited to give you a deep dive on some of the things that happened this year with the Stars, some of the things that can happen in the future with the Stars and the NHL. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm also joined by EP Ringside, Shap Shots. He's our NHL guru, D Magazine. He's got a book out called We Win Here. That's a terrific Father's Day gift. It's always great to talk to Sean Shapiro. How are you, buddy? I'm pretty good, Gavin. It's uh, obviously unfortunate the stars aren't here, but uh, I'm in. I took a I took a three mile hike this morning outside of uh, really? outside of Vegas. Yeah, took a three mile hike with a buddy outside of Vegas. I got to see uh, watch the sun rise up early okay. because the time time difference going from Florida to to Vegas. The time difference, like you're up, you go from Eastern time one day to Pacific time, and all of a sudden you're up at five a.m. and not really sure what to do with yourself. Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. So I am a former Vegas resident. So I am going to guess that that was Red Rock Canyon. We did Red Rock Canyon today. Yes, yeah, we did. Yes. It was a, uh, it was a. I mean, really nice Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Lots of other people are working, so no one else there. Nice and quiet. It was really. A, it was. A, it was a nice trip. So nice I walk, tell nice people. Hike. I tell people when they go to Vegas, um, they're like, "What did you like about living in Vegas?" I was like, "I love the hiking," and they're like, "What are you talking about?" Like they think that I was like hiking like in the back of Caesar's Palace or something. They don't realize because you're so <laughs> focused on the strip, and rightfully so. It's like you take whatever transportation to the strip, park yourself, walk up and down, drink, party, and everything like that. But there is such – it's such a beautiful community that I don't think people realize. It's a terrific place to live in so many ways, and one of the features, Red Rock Canyon. And uh, only a couple hours away on the way to Utah is the Valley of Fire which is another mm. which features like petroglyphs that you can hike to, which those that don't know, those are all Indian markings. And uh, Red Rock Canyon's gorgeous in so many ways, terrific paths. I'm so glad you uh, checked that out because it's a Vegas that a lot of people don't see, Sean. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you, you show up in Vegas and it's uh, the airport is, they got the slot machines in the airport the minute you step off and everything. It, it's, uh, but it, there's the night it's it's a really nice area out there and i would suggest uh anyone if you're, if you're able to go check it out so I, i'm also fascinated and you know i don't want to put the cart before the horse mm-hmm. like we know the dallas mavericks did when they were planning out the parade which all cities do by the way they have to yeah it's it's just it's just about yeah it's just about how many people you involve and how many people yes uh over and how many people uh and who starts let, letting things slip. So. Yeah, so I'm I'm fascinated where the parade would be because I'm guessing it probably would be up and down the strip. However, you know, this Vegas team is so local-based, and, and, and that's one of their mantras is Vegas-born. And, you know, locals go to the game. So, you know, they're based primarily in the western part of uh, Las Vegas in a master plan community, Summerlin, is where their practice facility is. Um, so I'm fascinated where the parade would be, but I'm guessing it would be somewhere around the strip. It'll be right down the strip. I mean, now how long of a parade? And do, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm curious of that. But it's, it's a, the league in the NHL. It's you know the parade is going to be. They want the moment of 
the Stanley Cup paraded down the strip right in front of the the fountains. Like you you know yeah. that's you know that's yeah. the iconic imagery the league wants. I mean, the league when the All Star Game was in Vegas here, they did the the thing that 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 event on the fountains. Like the league from a league and team perspective, and um, you you talk about an iconic like sports image, and you also talk about like the NHL got here got to Vegas first. That's why the Raiders uh, the Raiders are actually kind of get frustrated with that they're now the Raiders are a transplanted team and not a, a locally grown team, but um, it's uh, you, you have to, for the golden Knights to win and have that iconic image first and be, they've really leaned harder to be in the first league and team and market that really embraced the city and took the so-called risk of being here. And, uh, that image, I'm sure Bill Foley will will want that 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 that'll be up everywhere. Of Mark Stone hoisting the cup on the in the parade, past the fountain as it's going in the background. So regardless if they win or not, and I think they will close out the series. At I think some so point. too. Yeah. 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 Um, when we take a step back, Sean, and is it too early? I was thinking the other day: is this one of the greatest starts for a franchise when you look at? all-star game being there, which makes total sense. But then the two Stanley Cup appearances and the success uh, both on and off the ice, the community involvement, I mean, it's just, it's been so massive for hockey, I think more than any of us anticipated. Yeah, I I mean, so Vegas winning the Cup in year six, it would be... um, if you use the modern, it would be the second fastest a team has won a cup. Um, has has won a cup in the non second fastest NHL franchise has won a cup in a non um, in a, in a, in a, in the in this in the uh, post expansion era. Like for example, like I mean, like the Rangers won the cup in their second NHL season, but I'm not really like that's 1928. That's original six era. Yeah. Uh, but the, so the Oilers won the cup in 84, which was their fifth season in the NHL. Now the Oilers also existed before because they came over from the old WHA. So what Vegas is doing, um, when you apply the proper context, it is unprecedented. I mean, to, to win, to win a Stanley cup. And I, I really, I think they're going tonight's game five, but I, I really think Vegas is going to win, whether it's either tonight or in game six, um, to do it in six years, to do it this way. I mean, it, it is, it's the most impressive start to an NHL franchise. It's the, there, you went to the Stanley cup final in year one. You, you have are always in, you're in every big trade. You're in every conversation. I mean, this is a, this is a team that is going to turn into, and maybe already has for some people, I feel like is going to be one of those like turns into one of like the black hat teams in the NHL because they are built for long-term success. They are built for long-term success. They have an owner who understands how that works. And, um, and they didn't get it because, and like, to be clear on this Vegas team, right? I hate, I, I always hate when people are like, Oh, they were gifted this team by the expansion draft or whatever. Like there's only six guys left from the expansion draft. Yeah. And like, if, some of those guys that are left over are Braden McNabb and like Braden McNabb and like, not like Riley Smith's a fine player, but like Marsha show on there. Like, 
What was that? Is Marsha Show one of them? Oh yeah, he's yeah, gonna, yeah he's Riley one of them. Smith. He'll probably yeah, Riley Smith. I mean, they've got something like but the stars have more players from that year left over than <laughs> Vegas has for Vegas first season. That's a great point. I mean, I mean, it's it is a roster turnover happens, and so this isn't this isn't because expansion rules or anything like this. This is because Vegas has decided to push the boundaries on things, push how they attack the salary cap, push how they're willing to do these things. Um, and also they don't care about goaltending. And I like, like, I want to be clear on that, right? Like this team is going to going to likely win a Stanley Cup with Aiden Hill and net because they decided after trying, obviously, and relying on Marc-Andre Fleury early in the franchise, then tried the other big name goalie. They decided this year, like, okay, goal to average goaltending has never been better. And so we can go basically steal the NFL running back by committee spot with goaltending mm-hmm. and it works. And so that's, it's this Vegas team is going to be good and the franchise will be good for a long time. And I know that's going to annoy some people, but they, they, they have potential to be one of the villains in the NHL, I think because of that. We know sports are copycats. Do mm-hmm. you think if Vegas does pull this off with Aiden Hill, that we might see a few teams try to replicate that strategy with stronger defense and average to above average goaltending? Um, well, I, I think someone's going to take the wrong lesson. I, I think someone's going to take the wrong lesson from Aiden Hill's play. I think someone is going to sign Aiden Hill starter type money and we'll see kind of what happened with like Darcy Kemper where Darcy Kemper was goes from Colorado to Washington and he wasn't bad in Washington, but you're like, you're watching him play and you're like, okay, he's not a $5 million goalie. And I, so I, I think people will, I think Darcy, I don't think Aiden Hill, I don't think Aiden Hill will be back. I don't think Aiden Hill will be back in Vegas next. I don't think he'll be back in Vegas next year. I think someone will sign him for more than he's worth to go be their starter somewhere. And while it's great in theory for everyone to be like, oh, let's go build a strong defense that allows this. It's not easy. Like this takes a long time. It takes time. And I don't see the space. And this is going to kind of translate a little bit to our upcoming conversation in the show. It's not like all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can go out there and I can get an Alex Petrangelo as a free agent this summer. Like it's, it's so it's not the, um, it's a, it's a, it's a copycat league, but so there's some things you can't copy. And so sometimes teams make mistake and copy the wrong things or take the wrong lesson. And I think, and this is if I think for me, if like, I'm looking at this from a Dallas perspective on goaltending, right. I want, I don't want to be the team that looks at Aiden Hill and says, I'm going to pay him $5 million because I think someone's going to do that. Um, some team and good for Aiden Hill, he's going to make his money. Some other team needs to look and be like, okay, how do we find the next Aiden Hill? And that those are the, those are the things that I think should be lessons that should be taken and whether they will or not will be, uh, it'll be interesting. So the theme of today is probably the most polarizing topic of the stars off season. And that is Ryan Suter and the future of Ryan Suter. And I wanted to, kind of go back to the beginning, Sean, because I think that's important because, you know, when you look at social media, you know, Ryan Suter's terrible and this and that. Um, So let's start at the beginning. So Ryan Suter weighed from the Minnesota wild. And this is bought out. He's bought bought out. out. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Bought out, waived. 
and Minnesota is still paying out that contract. So my recollection is, is that there were a bunch of teams interested in Ryan Suter, one of which were the Dallas Stars. And when that happens, kind of the bargaining position goes to the player more than the team. So why did Ryan Suter choose Dallas? Did you get that perspective? And Mm -hmm. at the time, what was the thinking of the Stars to bring Ryan Suter in? Well, it's so the Stars... Ryan Suter got bought out. He had a pretty bad contract. Minnesota needed to clear its needed needed to clear to clear. They decided to move on from Suter and Zach Parisi bought them both out after they had signed matching um, contracts like they did. And, and Suter was when he signed the con. He was uh, thirty four. No, he was thirty eight now. So he was thirty. He was thirty five. Thirty yeah, thirty five because it was technically a thirty five plus contract. Um, and Ryan Suter had a lot of interest across the NHL. Ryan Suter was still seen as a viable defender. Um, it was really getting him out of Minnesota was more about moving on from him from moving the culture to a next step and getting an opening. And uh, cause like Suter would have been signed through 2025. That's Minnesota was just, they, they needed to get out of the, they need they need they needed to move be able to move on to start opening some things for some other difficult decisions how to make sure money bills for cappers off things like that um but so Suter as a hockey player was still highly desirable by NHL GMs lots of teams talked to Ryan Suter um there was some teams that had more interest than others but at the end of the day um Ryan Suter basically was looking to sign something for something more than one year. He didn't want to do what that like a Corey Perry did here in Dallas where he signed for one year or something like that. He wanted more he wanted more term. And most teams were willing to go to three years for Ryan Suter. Uh, the money the stars gave him is about what the market rate was dictating. But Dallas was the only team that was willing to go to a fourth year. And that was uh, that was a selling point. That was a selling point for for Ryan Suter. And um, obviously, you pick you also pick because for hockey reasons. But in general, when you're looking for the long a longer term deal, and the only team that gives you a four year deal is is one that fits you that also fits you hockey wise. You think then you're going to side. So it was it was really about Jim Nill being willing to give a fourth year to Suter, and it was also about the. Uh, the flexibility of like he gave him the four years full no move clause in a state with no state income tax like and someone who had played in minnesota who had had state income tax and all that other stuff and everything like that so uh he gave him like end of career security that's why ryan Suter picked dallas now the stars picked Suter because they were they really weren't they were getting ready to kind of the defense was transitioning. They were in the spot where they weren't really sure what they had and they needed kind of, they needed a solid transitional piece of a, not transitional in hockey goes, but like transition of an era. They needed a veteran who could kind of play in that spot and be there for a couple years to allow the torch to be passed from 
whatever happened after John Klingberg left. And to be clear, I think Ryan Suter's actually done that. I, I think that's fine. Like year one and two haven't been nearly as bad as the social media hate and everything like that. Like obviously he had some bad moments to play off. So we've talked about those quite a bit, but for year one and two, he's been, he was a fine player, but, and this is what we're going to talk about today quite a bit. It's he's still signed for this season. He's still signed for next season. He's got a salary cap hit of 3.6 million. These are the issues because whether you want to, it's it's easy to be like, oh, Suter sucks, Suter sucks, Suter sucks, whatever. He actually hasn't sucked. He's been, he was okay. He had a bad playoff. He had a bad end of the playoffs this year after a really good start to the playoffs, but he wasn't nearly as bad as Vitriol is. But 23, 24, 24, 25 signed with a $3.65 million cap hit. This is where we run into the problems. And this is where I want to talk about a lot of the nuance that's important here with this.